The Last Olympian, Chapter 19, We Trashed the Eternal City. The bridge to Olympus was dissolving. We stepped out of the elevator onto the white marble walkway and immediately cracks appeared at our feet. Jump, Grover said, which was easy for him because he's part member. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. Ta-da. He really is. I can. He really is part mountain goat. They weren't lying about that. No, they were not. Proud of them for not lying. Agreed. (laughs) All right, Neve, Ava, how are we? We're tired. I mean, I'm tired. I my work officially started yesterday, and it is the best thing ever. It is so fun. I love it so much. But like, I have to get up at like six forty-five every morning, and like, I'm there until eight thirty at night, and like, it's something else. <laughs> so I'm a little tired. That's a pretty long day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Neve, how's the research going? <laughs> I need to do more work. There's so much work to do, but it's okay. Um, it's on a topic that I'm interested in and, you know, it, it should be good. I'm excited. Um, it's going to be in the form of a podcast. So. Oh, look at that. Very exciting. That's so, fun. Um, That's so exciting. Yeah because it has to be some form of like digital um distribution so I'm excited and I also like the other stuff like you could do like a virtual museum exhibit but that seems hard (laughs) so I was like I'm gonna stick with what I know um but yeah I'm really excited about it um uh I I don't want to mention any names just so people don't look up what college we go to but uh queen person whose name rhymes with schmally schmate uh, agreed to be interviewed for my podcast. So very exciting. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> so funny that you said <laughs> that. was like a very hardly coded, like obviously we know who it is. I, I think people could figure it out if they tried really hard. <laughs> yeah, but... you had to do a lot of research and like um, piecing together a lot of clues from this podcast to try that's to figure true. out who that is. But that's I'm true. very excited about it. Uh, yeah, that's great. Oh my God, that's so exciting. I love that. I um, quit my job that I was talking about last week that I was training on. Uh, I am now back at my first restaurant that I was working at bartending now. So that's that's so much better. I like bartending so much better than serving. I am genuinely happier and that's good. Still tired. That's so good. That hasn't changed. I forgot to mention my job so like I'm working at a performing arts intensive that I have done before and um it was very funny because on the first day like my fellow counselors and I were like standing like where um the people come in and like giving them hand sanitizer and KN95 masks and like all that stuff and then the music director walks up to us and goes like can't wait for you guys to be in the show haha and I'm like oh he's joking he's joking and then one of the other ones goes no he's not so I think I'm in rent now (laughs) A fun fact. Really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Which is kind of wild. <laughs> but I don't you know. Remember, so we'll see. A little accidental casting. Yeah, very fun. And I might be in cabaret in another two weeks. We'll see. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Those are some fun choices. They are. They're, they're, yeah. All right. Now that that's out of the way, welcome back to Return to Camp Afflin. <laughs> Uh, this week we are discussing chapters 19 and 20 of The Last Olympian. We trash the Eternal City and we win fabulous prizes through the theme of atonement. Woo! Before, before we jump into like the stuff we normally do, a little announcement. We have some new merch out on our Redbubble store. Uh, we're very proud uh, of these uh, new new designs. Uh, just a little like preview. We have a, a Queen Hera design. That's my personal favorite. Make Greek myth queer again. Tyson fan club in Peach Zeus. Some more other designs. They'll all be on the Instagram. 
return to camp on Instagram, Twitter. We'll put it everywhere so you can see. Find it on Redbubble. The link will be in the bio. Very exciting. And your with that, to always impeach Zeus. Your friendly <laughs> reminder to always impeach Zeus. Mm-hmm. And with that out of the way, because we have no guests this week, the duty by some universal punishment has fallen <laughs> upon Neve. Bro, I literally don't know how I'm going to. You know what? I have a plan. Ooh, I'm excited to see what happens. I think it's it's a re- it's your chance to like blow us all out of the water. You know, it's really not like my plan is bad, but we'll see. Ready? Oh my god! Again. <laughs> um. She's like immensely prepared. Okay. okay, three, two, one. Luke is the hero. Percy says that he's, <laughs> Percy was offered to be the, be, to become a god and he says no because of Annabeth. These chapters are why the book is so great. I cannot, I, mean, I cannot elaborate more You have 20 more, more seconds. I, li- how else am I supposed to elaborate more than that? Like, I don't know. Without listing everything that happens. Luke is the hero. Percy gets the chance to become a god. He isn't because of Annabeth. I that's mean, all I can say without getting into like literally everything. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That is fair. That's all, that's all I'm going to say, because those are the f- most important developments. And if I started from the beginning, I would have only made it halfway through chapter, <laughs> chapter 19. That is true. I guess let's just go through the other big moments. Those were, were that was a pretty good broad overview. I when do you agree. think about chapter 19, like Olympus is destroyed. Talia gets injured and has to stay behind. And then Smushed. it's just like long battle. Like yeah, Ethan. Ethan tra- switches sides and sacrifices himself. Yeah. Oh yeah. I. T- <laughs> oh then yeah. Chapter twenty has a whole bunch of very intricate details. <laughs> very intricate details. Yeah, chapter twenty, we go through like it's the the scene at the end of a new hope. Every everyone gets their own little reward. Um, every everyone reaches the climax of their uh plot character arc for the series <laughs> yeah i th- I think honest we could go through that now but i think we're gonna discuss that deeply yeah in exactly. our our uh theme so i don't want to predicate that too much um yeah therefore ava but... what music do you have <laughs> okay um well, I think we established either last episode or, f- no, it was a couple episodes ago, last time I did music, um, that I, it, it's becoming a thing, I guess a pattern for me to choose a Taylor Swift song um, every time I do it. And um, for this book, I'm just going to continue on the journey of choosing a song from Red every time. So. <laughs> um, on that, my song for chapter 19 is Sad, Beautiful, Tragic, because I just think it's very, unfortunately, Annabeth and Luke. Um, it kind of describes her like feelings towards him in a really sad way, but... In a sad, beautiful, tragic, tragic way. Kind of way, yeah. Um, but then also... Um, I think chapter 20, this is a lot more abstract. Um, chapter 20, I chose Galileo by the Indigo Girls because it has similar themes of like, I don't know what is right for my soul to do with my life. And I just want to live it the best way I can, but I don't know how that works. And like, that's kind of Percy's thing with immortality. Um, and there are a lot of like fun little lyrics in it that are kind of like, I'm going to make it easier for the next person in the next life or whatever um, by like doing all this shit now. And like, (laughs) so I just thought that was very Percy and immortality. So yeah, those are my picks. I don't hate them, you know? (laughs) I'm glad you don't hate your own choices. (laughs) You too. I I really like that you kept up with the Taylor Swift thing. I had to. I think you had to. It's such a fun activity for me. Honestly, maybe for the next book, we do only Taylor Swift songs. 
that I I'm n- not holding to that. That was just an idea. Dude, the Lost Hero is so long. <laughs> we could also add a segment that's like every week. I just say one Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually really funny. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Folks, what did we forget from these chapters? Not a fucking minute. This, these chapters, as I said, are the reason why this book is so good. Like this is the, oh my God, it's such an incredible culmination of this story. Over the five books, holy shit, it is so good. Like I remember every detail of this moment. Ah, it's beautiful. It's so good. So good. Every, like, all the dialogue is just so great. Oh, my God. It is. I have to be honest. I forgot a lot of it. Me too. <laughs> I was like, I I was like, I know, okay, I know the broad strokes. I know Ethan dies doing something hero- heroic, heroic, <laughs> heroic, um, Annabeth convinces Luke to come out of his Kronos shell, um, mm. Luke does something to kill Kronos. Percy isn't the hero. Percy turns down being a god and Annabeth gets to design Olympus. Everything else, I forgot. I knew Poseidon showed up at some point, but was starting to give up. I'm thinking I made that up. Yeah. I remembered a little less than you did, Brayden. How? That's also not a surprise. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> I because the thing is, I did remember the Annabeth architect bit. There, I, I remembered it well. I didn't remember when it happened, um, but I remembered it well. A lot of this stuff is like I didn't remember that it happened like at this point, but I remembered it happened. Um, so I remember that, but I also I did forget how Luke killed Kronos. Like I forgot that he just stabbed himself. Like I knew Kronos did not make it <laughs> but I just forgot how he you know was taken down and those in the- order to keep contributing to the conversation I'm going to read you specific lines that I literally remember reading as a child um <laughs> after Typhon is defeated and they watch Poseidon defeat Typhon um Percy says they're on their they're on their way you've lost and Kronos says I haven't even started oh my god that was beautiful it's so good um continue I'll read another one at a random time <laughs> yeah like I, villain origin story I feel like this is this is Neve's villain origin story yes <laughs> it's funny because Neve this whole uh, book and this whole time of doing this podcast leading up to this book was like I'm gonna be so annoying when we get to last Olympian mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really see it it's this episode this is the episode this <laughs> is none of you remember anything this, this is, is so this insulting. is the <laughs> this is the climax of Neve's plot arc for this like this I've been series lightly, I've been lightly annoying throughout this book just picking songs because vibe like I feel like it um like doing like that, like that's like light annoyance. But these two chapters are why the book is so good, and I cannot believe that you don't remember a lot of them. It's just like such an abstract idea in my mind because I don't know if I ever reread the end of this book after reading it for the first time. Like I must have my my cop the copy of Last Olympian is so beat up, but like I I have been constantly surprised throughout this book. <laughs> by what's happening no not more than ava no one can possibly have a worse memory than me like i i would go to war with dory from finding nemo i'd be like mine is worse <laughs> try me my memory is worse yeah i have short-term memory loss Another line that I remember reading very, very, like, I I can remember where I was sitting when I read this line, okay? I can literally remember where I was sitting in my room reading this for the first time. Um, The line from the great prophecy echoed in my head, a hero's soul cursed cursed blade shall reap. My whole world tipped upside down and I gave the knife to Luke. Grover yelled, Percy, are you, um, 
Crazy, insane, off my rocker, probably, but I watched as Luke grasped the hilt. I stood before him, defenseless. Chills. So brilliant writing. Like this whole book has been brilliant writing, but oh my God. No, I do agree. This chapter is so well-written. So well-written. There's there's some great stuff in there. Okay, now that we've established that Neve remembers every single word and could recite these chapters by heart, and I don't, I remember the broad strokes and Ava read this for the first time. Um, (laughs) 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 uh, Let's take a quick break and then come back to talk about the theme of atonement. And now a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is presented by Early Bird. Early Bird is the simplest way for parents, family, and friends to collectively invest in a child's financial future, starting at the earliest age. Early Bird's mobile app empowers parents and families to start saving for their child's financial future in a matter of minutes, while activating a child's broader community to gift contributions on holidays, birthdays, or any occasion. We're college students here, and we know that paying for college is a huge feat, and it's difficult for everyone, and you just have to start as early as possible. Early Bird makes that so much easier. We're teaming up with Early Bird to give our listeners a free $15 investment to give to a child you love. Simply go to partners.getearlybird.io slash podcast or the link in our show notes, download the app and create an account today. Early Bird, build the nest and invest in the children you love. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. The theme of atonement. This is this is all over these chapters. Do we want to how, how do we want to do this? I feel like we need to go like character by character. Yeah, let's do that's yeah. good. Yeah. I like that. Um I don't know who to start. Let's start small and get big. Okay. Maybe let's start with Grover. Because oh. not because he's a small part, because just because he's like He's small. He doesn't have as much to do in these chapters. Right. First off, like, does Grover have anything to atone for? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but, like, a, it is set up that he is screwed up. He, he actually, so it's established that, like, he feels really guilty about leading all these nature spirits and satyrs and stuff into this battle and they have the biggest losses because Rick Riordan was like, I'll kill a couple demigods, but I'm going to fucking murder all of those nature spirits. Uh, <laughs> I mean, fair. I think it's fair if you need like a bat, like in war or like in any, you know, conflict where there's some sort of like quote unquote battleground, like the nature that is in that area gone absolutely demolished so like i get it you know like yeah, it might that's a good sort point. of be a personification of like everything around here is dead because of us like type thing but i don't know so i get it yeah for sure yeah so i i guess this is an easy one because like the good he does definitely outweighs the like the destruction that's like the like not the oh, what is it called when there's there's people who die like as like a side effect. What is casualties? that? Casualties. But that's there's a different there's like a, a a different word for it, right? Give me oh, I think you're thinking that, of casualties. I have the source.com bookmarked. <laughs> because it's like <laughs> casualties are like people who who die in a war in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess so like that's count, but it's like victim, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Civilian casualties? Yeah. Maybe. Like, kind of. Fatality? I don't know. Uh, You know, 
I can't think of the word. So let's just move <laughs> ahead. A, you understand the vibe, everyone. We understand the vibe. We understand the vibe. <laughs> we understand the vibe. Um, Ethan. Oh my god. Do we think? Him, like. Do we do we think Ethan atoned his his sins? I I don't like the word sins. I don't like the religious context of it uh but atonement as like of a word in itself like asks for the word sins i feel (laughs) um but like do we think his sacrifice is like karmically outweighs the the shit he's done i think so only because like okay it's going to take a while to explain. I'm going to try my best. So he didn't know where Kronos was weak, right? It go. It says for the book, he just went for the back of the neck. Like he went for a random spot. So he knew 98% chance that this wasn't going to work. If he just attacked him, it could have been like, oh, now he wants the glory of killing Kronos. But he had a pretty solid idea that he was not going to hit the spot that Kronos was vulnerable and it was just going to bounce off him like nothing and that he was going it wasn't going to work so I think he definitely died a hero because of that um and I don't think anything worse than what happened to him he had like a like you know Grover was trying to heal him which is the thing I'll bring up later but it was crazy like Grover was trying to heal him like even after all of this shit just for making that move I think that it was a a pretty apt sacrifice to do something that you knew was going to fail after all of he's all that he's done just as a symbolic like I'm not with this this group anymore did that make sense yes yeah, yeah. like it was basically a suicide mission but it had the symbolism of like I don't support this anymore so he died a hero in the end and probably will get rewarded for it um but he knew that that wasn't going to work yeah i would agree because i think ethan was always fighting for a good cause he just got caught up with an extremist um and he kind of realized at the end is like the destruction that Kronos is going to cause is not going to bring what I want. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the, the risks out, outweigh the rewards. And so I have to change that. So. Yeah. And I don't, it's interesting because I have a big, big problem with like people who think they're martyrs um, and aren't, and just want attention, I guess. Like I have a significant problem with like the end of the crucible (laughs) and like people liking john proctor um when in reality he was arguably the worst character in the whole thing anyway you know so i i can't stand a martyr um at all because i think if you truly believed in that cause more than you believed sort of in your own image you wouldn't choose to go that way um but i think that like, it's tricky because I feel like it's written in a way that gets us to pay attention to what happens to Ethan, but like that it's not because he's trying to center himself, you know? So he, I don't think he's trying to be that. I think he's just, he genuinely has these intentions. Um, And he's like, I'm doing this for like the greater good. And like, this is like, I, I think his mindset was probably like, this is probably the best for the people around me um, whose side I have kind of recognized I I should be on and I am on. And if I die as a sort of response or like a side effect, like, (laughs) you know? And so like, I, that's good. You know, I have a lot of respect for that because that's not martyr territory at all. So. Yeah. I think it's interesting because when looking at atonement in these chapters, we have, I think two categories where, and I think Ethan falls into both where there, there are characters who have done bad in just like the reality of the world are doing bad things. And then we have characters who are 
trying to atone for themselves because they have guilt over something that they've done. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, Grover, example of, like, he he feels guilty over stuff that he has caused that he wasn't trying to do bad things, but it's like, accidentally caused things to happen, and he feels guilty about that. So he himself wants to, like, atone the bad things that he's accidentally caused. Ethan has has done that. He wants to personally atone for what he's done because he still believes in the cause, but he wants to even out the bad things that he's contributed to, but also the world sees what he's done as bad. And then that leads us to another character, Annabeth, who hasn't really technically done anything bad, but she holds an immense guilt about Luke. She blames herself for what happened to Luke. Do we think she gets the atonement that she needs for herself? Yes, because she figured it out before Percy did, which is enough of a win for her. But anyway, in like the grand scheme, like she... She figured it out and while she got severely hurt in the process, like she talked Luke out of it because, you know, it literally says her saying family Luke, we, that's another line I remember where I was when I read that family Luke you promised. Oh my God. Um, but when she says that it reminded, it brought Luke out more than Kronos in that moment. And, you know, she, I think a big moment of closure for Annabeth is, let me try and see if I can find the exact line, but it's after Luke has died, has killed Kronos and is now just Luke sitting there bleeding out. Um, and Luke says like, did you love me? Asked her that question, right? And she's like, there's a time that I thought I did. Um, and that time was definitely when she had guilt associated with that, yeah. you know? is when she is when she really I mean she was also in love with him before he went evil but like really like thinking that she was genuinely in love with him was when she also felt guilt that this had happened to him and then I think a combination of things uh finding out that May Castellian had been like figuring out not finding out figuring out that May Castellian had had such terrible visions of Luke's fate because she knew that this was what's supposed to not that he, she knew that he was going to become Kronos, but that he was going to die killing Kronos, right? So that, and this whole battle um, that Luke actually does it, I think that, and then she says like, you were like a brother to me, Luke, but I didn't love you. I think that's big moment of closure for her because she realizes that she was really, that there was something, May Castellan ties into all of this because there was something prophesizing this happening before Annabeth even knew him so how could it be her fault because yeah. May Castellian literally knew this was going to happen to him before Annabeth had even met him and that this was this was truly just his fate in life so how could she have caused any of that and I feel like that is also a lot of her guilt I think also I think a lot of it is this whole book Annabeth is blaming herself for not giving up like she's she feels really guilty that she didn't give up on Luke and she starts to give up on mm. Luke yeah. and then what saves Luke what saves everyone it ends up being the fact that she refuses to give up on him yeah and so what she had been hating herself for she was not she was not giving up on Luke but she was really unhappy that she couldn't give up on him but then that ends up being what saves her. And I think it saves her, saves him, saves everyone is the fact that she does not give up on him. And I think that absolves her for herself. She yeah. is able to be proud of the fact that she didn't give up because that's actually what lets them win. Nothing that Percy does. Yeah. Percy is there. Percy follows directions. <laughs> Percy does follow directions on the bench. Percy follows directions. 
and we love him for it because it's one of the only times he's ever done it but like true really that's the follow directions yeah i it's funny because annabeth's whole thing of not giving up on luke like i don't know i always wanted her to because i always was like you do not have to trap yourself in this relationship with this person who keeps letting you down after you give him chance after chance like it is so damaging to you in so many ways like and I always wanted her to be like I there are people in my life that matter as much as he once did and it's okay and I'm stepping away now and this whole arc with her being like I knew it maybe I'm kind of like oh okay like I'm glad that she's happy but I want her to learn you know what I mean so bottom line no comment (laughs) (laughs) but Percy's growth was epic yeah do we do we want to talk about Percy and and his I think his atonement is interesting because he is coming to terms with the fact that Kronos is side, specifically like the platform that Ethan and Luke are coming from were right. And yeah. so they had points. No, like, <laughs> I'm not you gonna know, say they're you, right. Well, but they you had know, points. You know what I mean. You yeah. know, <laughs> but it's like, because I think he, his atonement is in that, like, he is perpetuating a system. He is fighting to perpetuate a system that is oppressive. Because, because the alternative is, is worse. But, therefore, his, his choice of whether to accept immortality or not is where he atones the the bad things that he was fighting to uphold because he's like i can either become part of the system and benefit from from it because Mm -hmm. like i have privilege and have uh reached a point where i can benefit from the system that's in place or i can use this privilege that has been offered to me as a way to dismantle it and try to improve it yeah I do want to mention, though, it isn't just this book that he starts to realize that they have points. Like, there were moments in The Lightning Thief, like, I just think about him sending back Medusa's head. Like, he has known that these people are not of the best intentions or of the best actions all the time. Um, But he has always just said, you know, that the alternative is worse. But yeah, I totally agree with you that this was definitely a moment that he was like, I could let everything go back to how it was and let this all happen again (laughs) by becoming a god and just taking that and like then everything, the cycle resets itself, you know, or actually change things. Also, she also he wants to stay with Annabeth, which is very cute. Yeah. He also think in that same token. Hmm? no you go oh he also just knows he's not the main character anymore which like he quote unquote like he is but like only by technical stand you know like i think well also funnily enough and thematically we're about to enter books that don't just have his perspective so in a way that's kind of cool him being like i'm not the main character like sir you're right you are not and here's why and like (laughs) you know here's what that gets you which is like I don't know very cool and like very respectable for him he was like yeah I wasn't the hero okay (laughs) and I was like "Hmm, okay and so we've we've ragged on Percy a lot throughout these books even though we love him we have ragged on him a lot yeah in our has he atoned himself in our eyes from all of the things that we've yelled at him for. Well, I, yes. <laughs> because I love him and I know that we're not going to see him a lot after this book for a while. Because <laughs> the whole, whole next book is about how he's gone. But like, I, 
I think so because you know we like to rag on him because it's funny but at the end of the day a lot of it was he thinks he's the main character and he made rash decisions because he was a he was growing to live up to this moment eventually Mm -hmm. um yeah I think that honestly just like listening to Annabeth and in like by extension Rachel who told him you're not the hero and your choice will affect what will affect like what happens you know listening to those two and putting his trust in someone else because when you think about it like his his fatal flaw of caring a lot like too much about his friends makes it so that he tries to like it feels stupid to use the word micromanage <laughs> but he tries <laughs> to control them because he yes. cares so much about them that he thinks he's the only one who can make the correct decisions for them so to let someone else make decisions for him and hand the knife over and put his trust completely in his friends and his enemies I guess you know that was big moment for him so yeah I also think a large part of why we rag on him is like because we kind of knew he could get here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we knew it was gonna. <laughs> yeah, like, we know it's coming. And, like, also, he has always had a very good heart, you know? Um, so we're kind of like, oh, we know you have potential. You're just, you're so close. <laughs> and then, like, he got there, and it was great. But, um, yeah, I think he's atoned for a lot of it. But there's a part of me that's like, well, no, actually, I'm I'm correcting my own thought process because originally I was like, haha, like, but don't let him hear that we said that. But also, like, he's now I think he is actually more mature, like to the degree that like if he heard someone being like, Wow, he's really improved, like that wouldn't go to his head. Like, yeah, in a negative way. Like he'd internalize it and be like, Wow, true. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. I think, yeah, just like everything we've been complaining about is him not being able to to accept when he's not the center and him dealing with his little male privilege. And he really, he, I just agree with everything you guys have said. He, he learns to, to trust his friends as their own people and not as Percy's friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And... I think he definitely atones himself in our eyes. I do agree. Do we think the gods atone themselves? No. No. Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of shit. (laughs) It would be Uh, a whole other, like, 20-chapter book to try and get them to atone for everything they've done. Um. So yeah, they would, that would take a lot. It would take a lot of effort and a lot of stuff, but um, no, they get a little bit closer though, but only with, I think it's crazy that Percy has to use his gift to convince them to do everything that Percy tells them to. And it is crazy that they don't see all of that as like the clear cause to why they got in this situation. Which, like, yeah, it's just crazy. Which is, like, ups- it makes, like, if Luke or Ethan, they both had to die thematically and plot structure-wise. They both had to die um, because they had both done extremely fucked up shit and they couldn't live through that and it be. But then there's moments where it's, like, if they had lived, maybe they could have been a better source to show the gods like what they had done than Percy because Percy's been kind of living the dream out here (laughs) like he's been doing fine so I think the gods were even like why are you asking us about this like you specifically we literally just gave you the opportunity to become a god like why are you so mad at us um not saying that that should have happened because Luke Ethan definitely had to die but you know their perspective would have been a lot more I don't know if they like again it's like they chose the wrong methods like they could have made a good case for this but then they both died because they had to so Percy has to make the case for them but yeah the gods suck they have not atoned everything they've done yeah I think it's interesting that we don't see Hermes stick up for 
Percy's plan because mm. you think he would have because he he watched his son die because of basically his son dies because he ne- neglected him and his and destroyed everything because he neglected him. You think Hermes would have learned a little yeah. bit? We just don't really get any perspective from him besides him being sad that that Luke is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They don't they don't absolve or atone for anything. They are tricked into <laughs> doing the right thing, and mm-hmm. they're they're doing the bare minimum. Actually, they're doing the bare minimum. It's like, like it's like the demigods like run a marathon, and they meet them at the end with like, here is a water bottle. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. Aren't I great? Didn't I run the marathon? Like, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, we directly see Zeus do this too in like Hades tries to atone for his not not being there and he comes to fight. Poseidon tries to atone for like being selfish and only fighting for for his, I don't know if he's even being selfish, but like it, the book wants us to believe that he's being selfish for protecting his home. Um <laughs> and and protect olympus and they 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 go out of their way to protect their family and zeus is like i mean like i guess you did fine yeah yeah i think that there's an interesting failsafe in typhon to explain why the gods were so absent from the demigods. You know, like they, not saying that Rick was trying to protect the gods in any way, because I think Typhon was beyond that. Like it was supposed to be this eminent like threat coming towards, you know, like it was also a plot structure in that way. But like, I think that it, having them have to fight this enormous, like once in a century sort of monster like gave this excuse of like why they couldn't help the demigods in the main bottle. So it, it was a good a good way to get them out of that. <laughs> it was it was a great plot device. Yeah. It was kind of wild that it took all of the Olympians to fight him and slow him down. And then like Poseidon rolls up and takes him out in like five minutes. I mean, I think it definitely helped that he was like probably weakened or whatever. And that he stepped into water, you know. Yeah. He had to include that, that he was in water and then Poseidon was in his realm, you know. Yeah. It was, like, it was definitely, like, there were some convenient plot devices with the whole Typhon back back plot line. Yeah. I think it is now time to discuss the big one. We So we've talked a lot about, like, I think we've established that atonement is not doing the bare minimum. It is going above and beyond to fix what you've done. Does Luke atone all of the stuff that he's done? He obviously he obviously is the hero in that he kills Kronos mm-hmm. and saves the day. However, he also awakened Kronos and killed thousands of people without and even before Kronos possessed him killed a bunch of people and did bad things does this one act absolve him no I don't think so I said it first episode I am not a Luke apologist he did not do this he he still did really fucked up shit and just because he decided to pull the plug at the end like congratulations you didn't kill everyone <laughs> but you still killed a lot of people um you betrayed a lot of people even before Kronos took you over so yeah no I I proud of him for the one time but it definitely doesn't fix everything I think the this specifically makes me think about, I think it was in this chapter that is referenced that I think in Percy's internal monologue is like, Luke was manipulating Selena even before Kronos possessed him. And something about that yeah. really like, because it's not just the killing people and betraying people. It's the like, 
it's just the sheer manipulation and just getting into like he is like a supervillain even before Kronos possesses him. Yeah. And just because he's like, oopsies, and then like takes Kronos out and himself out at the same time. It's like you did the bare minimum. You you turned off the bomb before it exploded, but you killed thousands of people to plant the bomb in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I also just have never ever been able to get behind people who like I don't know who are Luke apologists largely just because of like the whole Annabeth thing like I don't know uh like he just he did exhibit some like really really neglect it's neglectful or I don't know like very he neglected her emotionally in a lot of ways and like she is someone that um like he claimed to hold very close to him and then you know completely took all of that away and never told her anything about that and um kind of strung her along over and over um when he didn't actually, you know, care about her in the way that he said. I don't know. It's just so deeply messed up to keep her thinking that, like, he is someone to constantly go after and try to fix. Like, you have to mess someone up for them to think that way. And so, like, I just can never get behind, like, all of his, like, good things and like them changing him because we also never saw him apologize for that ever or like even attempt to atone for that so I'm kind of just like "Mm, okay he did one good thing but also there's this glaring relationship you know yeah no I completely agree I think it's also noticeable that (laughs) This is only able to happen because we have the little Hera plot device where the statue falls on Talia. Because if <laughs> Talia was there, she would have bodied Kronos. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> bodied. Like, um, especially Talia and Percy combined. No cap. Also, though, like, that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happened because Talia was... Like, they would have... The fight would have been over in seconds. However, um... I also saw that as like they needed to get the core three back together for the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like fight to final battle. It had to only be the three of them, which I thought was very sweet. Yeah. We got to get the gang back together for the, for the final battle. Like that's so sweet. I do. I do, I do love that, that Grover's just in the corner playing his flute and doing a little, little nature magic. He helps though. Like he's so he's, he's doing great. He's yeah. doing fantastic, but I like that his fighting is just playing music probably yes. still. So yesterday. By yeah, Harry Duff. exactly. I, that's that's what I need out of the this scene in the Disney Plus show is that set to so yesterday on panpipes. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. That would ugh, full circle. <laughs> exactly. What are our sass moments? Get it open. I have it by memory. Um. <laughs> It, I don't remember when, but it was um, when Poseidon's like, Tyson, we will get you a new, like, club, sword. And Tyson goes, stick. And Poseidon goes, okay, a new stick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, one, that moment was is delivered really well on the audiobook, too. It's just mm. very funny. I loved it. Mine is also a Tyson <laughs> Um, it's Percy Tyson yelled. He charged toward me with his arms open. Fortunately, he shrunk back to his normal size. Oh, I've got that too. Tyson got like 30 feet tall. Um, so his hug was like getting hit by a tractor, not an entire farm. You are not dead, he said. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. Amazing, huh? He clapped his hands and laughed happily. I am not dead either. Yay. Like, uh, I love him. They are not dead. 
Neve, that was my moment. Oh, I'm sorry. But no, so I, I do have another one, though. Let me find it quickly. Uh, I was so I ready for the other one. Hit by a tractor. <laughs> so good. So mine is very simple. 351. And I knew what to do. No, I said. The council was silent. The gods frowned at each other like they must have misheard. No, Zeus said. You are turning down our generous gift? He is so floored that someone said no to him. That <laughs> Zeus has never been more shook. Nothing. Zeus is never yeah. allowed. Oh, no, I don't think I should say that. No, I need to know what you, you're going to say that you don't even think you can say. Zeus has never allowed anyone to say no to him before. Yeah. I mean, facts. And like... Period. Impeach Zeus. Like, <laughs> Impeach Zeus. And then Percy says no, and he's like, what? Like, excuse me. Excuse me? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Go What? all right uh this week we do have a little voice memo to play for you guys um this is from theseus me make sure my audio is sharing and here we go hey guys my name is theseus and that's my real name because i'm a big fucking greek mythology nerd uh wait sorry can i swear on your podcast um but yeah i just wanted to tell you guys that i've been listening to your podcast for like the last week and i'm almost through all of it it's really good keep it up and uh so i just got to the last olympian nine and ten where you guys were talking about memes and then brayden called neve neem which is apparently his nickname for her but I thought it was just, like, a mix-up between her name and the word meme, and I laughed an unnecessary amount. Uh, so, yeah. Wow, that was a voice crack. Uh, have a good day. Um, yeah, that is just my nickname, but I like it better as the idea of <laughs> my name mixed up with the word meme. That's I- funny. I love that. That yeah, that was so funny. Thank you, Theseus. Also, so what a cool fucking name! Oh, for real, that is so cool. Name, so impressive. Um, I've never thought of. I actually don't know why her nickname is Neme. It's just like saying nonsense instead of her name because her name is hard to pronounce. Um, <laughs> well, if if we're going back to the the origin of my nickname of Neme, um, I do a summer like theater um program every like a show every summer at the same theater all through high school and they started calling me neem um because they thought it was funny and also I brought my vocal steamer to the theater every like every day during tech week and they were like this is a little much don't you think and I was like I live an hour away listen like I (laughs) like I need to I need to use it when I get here otherwise the effect's gonna wear off by the time I get here and then they were like steam meme (laughs) they thought that was very funny so it just developed into my nickname there and then it just spread throughout every other aspect of my life but I like it it's cute it is just a little like cute oh like meme like it kind of makes sense with like if you saw the name and you pronounced it like how you thought Neem is also a mispronunciation I've gotten a lot just based on spelling but most people go for like Niam or something <laughs> because the a is in there <clears throat> my my other favorite uh alternative of her name is nimaha yeah. oh my god <laughs> because it's just like way off um, it's so like yeah, a neem- substitute teacher called me that once in fifth grade and that's why it, it's like i mean you would have a difficult time spelling it but it's my snapchat username no one had me on snapchat but like it'd be difficult <laughs> to try and spell nimaha um Honestly, but, yeah. if if you were able to figure it out, 
like you deserve to have me on Snapchat. Yeah, if you if you can figure out the spelling of that, you can add me on Snapchat. Um, but yeah. All right, who are we giving offerings for this week? I know mine, so I can go if you want. Go ahead. I would like to try and balance out a little bit and give my offering to Rick, because as I've said, these two chapters are the reason that this book is so fantastic to me. They are beautifully written, an amazing wrap up to like an amazing, like these chapters, when you think about it, are the climax and then the falling action of the entire series like the entire original five books. And he managed to do all of that in two chapters, like perfectly for these for this story. So I, I give it to Rick. It was very good. Oh, he's going to be so happy. <laughs> I bet he'll watch this and be excited for himself. I'm, I, I don't want to do it. It's Percy, isn't it? I don't know. Wait, Ava, do you know who you're giving your offering for? No. Okay, actually, mine is Ethan. That's it. Ooh. Um, good take. He he switches sides, and he does it for a good reason, and it's written well and established well. And I think he he made some mistakes, but he made up for them, um, because he really, out of everyone on on a, a very awkward side of of the war um he was really fighting for what he thought was a good cause yeah he really was and when he realized oh so good exactly Ava Uh, uh, I don't know because here's the thing there's a part of me that oh never mind I was gonna um I was gonna be like well there's a part of me that wants to give it to Anna but then I realized I don't agree with her sort of arc a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'll give it to Percy. I think he deserves it. You know, I think I was just so, so impressed with how he acted in these two chapters. And also like, I don't know. I think part of his maturity has come from, you know, knowing Annabeth and sort of, loving her as a friend but also just like falling for her because there was also like I feel like there's an inherent selflessness that comes with that and so when he like it really struck me because like when he turned down immortality and like turned around and saw her and like saw how happy it had made her like that had really affected him and I was like I he cared so much about this other person and their happiness that like wow I don't know it really got me and yeah so that's just an example of why Percy has has my vote this week and who gets voted off the island mine's Zeus I'm just gonna hop out there (laughs) yeah I agree with you he just it's just such a struggle for him it's so easy for him to be a good like he has so much opportunity to be the good guy and he can't take it. <laughs> he literally cannot manage it. Like, you're just watching someone refuse to do the right thing. Yeah. I think I agree. I. <sighs> you can give it to Kronos if you would like. No, it has. It's never felt right to do that. <laughs> yeah, Zeus. Yeah. Ooh, look at that. Zeus is now... <laughs> skyrocketed through these ranks. And he deserves it. He does deserve it. It's the only thing he does deserve. The only thing he does deserve is credit for being awful. Mm -hmm. True. Receipts? Recipits. (laughs) Receipts. Yeah. All right, folks. That is all for this week of the the biggest chapters in these books. Join us next week. Not quite to end. We're going to do two chapters and then the last one. We're going to wrap up with the last one. So next week we'll be covering chapters uh, 21 and 22. Blackjack gets jacked and I am dumped through the theme of reward. And we will be joined by the podcast Seaweed Brain to 
cover that and to cover the big climax of seaweed brain Persebeth. <gasps> yes <laughs> um make sure to follow us on all of our social media we're at return to camp on every platform that matters um and we also have a red bubble store for even mention we have new merch so that's exciting and a coffee account ko-fi.com slash return to camp um and a website www.returntocamp.com Thank you for listening. Yeah, this is great. weird because we've had guests like every week up until now. So it's like, I was that. weird to end. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. See you later. <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs> oh. Ooh, French. <laughs>